Welcome back to the Discovering Forestry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Lofi, alongside the other host, Mr. Arborjet Joe Aitken, here for another compelling conversation about trees. Joe, it's a beautiful day, beautiful time of the year here in the Rocky Mountains. How are you doing? How, how are things shaping up where you're at? Shaping up good, Corey. Um, we got another winter showed up again. Yeah, we had that little snowstorm before Christmas, and then because we had a white Christmas, and then uh, it disappeared. So the weather's good. Um, I'm good. Trade show season starts for me next week. It means I'll be on the road all the way till the end of March. Um, it's kind of what we do. I'm not sure if I'm looking forward to this year or what, but I'll let the listeners know after this week if I'm ready for it or not. But all's good, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Skiing, skiing is awesome. Um, more importantly, tree skiing is awesome. We typically we typically wait for a pretty healthy base of about 55 to 60 inches, which is compacted snow, um, especially after the beetle kill before we go in the trees because it, it represents a hazard otherwise. Um, so really, we, yeah. So we're we're about that level because you figure trees get knocked down and some stumps left over, and you just want them to be covered up by some good compacted snow so you don't you know, have a compound tib fib fracture or anything like that. <laughs> when I was skiing back in the day, I'd always avoid the trees because I'd usually end up like golf and hit one. So <laughs> just for the safety of the trees, I would stay out of that. But, probably um, better, probably better for everybody involved, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, to today's conversation and uh, just kind of seeing where it takes us. Yeah. We're pretty fortunate to have our guest on. Um, I'll let a, uh, you do the introduction in a minute, but it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, the last drop was this drop. And then what we're going to have uh, right after our guest, it's a, it's a pretty important subject that again, I don't think we cover it enough. So we'll have fun with it. Yeah. And without further ado and kicking the can down the road anymore, I want to introduce author, artist, and arborist, like we were saying, AAA, but the good kind certified, Mr. Marty Shaw. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm doing well. Uh, we have beautiful weather here in Franklin and probably uh, more or less in the recovery mode. We got a, a early freeze and the temperatures got about 10 degrees below our normal temperature this time of year and uh, right before Christmas. And so all of our laurels and uh, some of the evergreens got pretty beat up. Yeah, we uh we t we had that on a, a, a not too distant. Well, welcome, Marty. <laughs> Let me talk well, we start jumping right in everything. Welcome and thanks for taking the time. But Corey and I discussed this not re just recently about um, how trees prep for winter and how fast mm -hmm. a quick freeze like that can really hurt plants. So do you guys know the technical name for that? It's called acclimation, <laughs> and acclimation is a very fancy word that just means that plants can create their own antifreeze, and right. uh, it takes a few weeks uh, in cool weather for them to develop this antifreeze, but uh, this year the freeze came before the antifreeze got into the cells, and and so we've had a lot of damage, quite a bit, actually. Wow. Now you'll see it now, but will you see most of it when when the the weather warms up, you'll be able to see a lot more damage. You think? 
No, this was uh, almost uh, a week later. We were seeing brown and uh, many of our laurels. And uh, in this climate, we can grow the broadleaf hollies, uh, Chinese hollies, and the uh, cornuta. And um, man, those things just got hammered. Um, even in my own yard, where I have quite a bit of protection from the wind, uh, mine are all brown. And the uh, cherry laurels, the evergreen cherry laurels, are just black and brown that's too bad now it's it's fun to hear this and i'm kind of trying to piece it all together author artist arborist can you tell us a little bit about yourself mr shaw where where you're from obviously we know tennessee now but a little bit about yourself how you got there well my journey to being a consulting arborist is a circuitous one I, uh, I actually grew up in Bristol, Tennessee, so I'm an Appalachian kid. And um, when I graduated from high school, I really didn't have much of a plan. So I entered into the uh, military and I served on a submarine as the ship's baker for four years. And when I got out of the Navy, I decided I wanted to work outside. Go figure. Four years on a submarine will do that to you. And um so I got a job working in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, of all places, selling lawn care to Waukesha homeowners in the middle of the wintertime. And nice. uh, that, that was my introduction to the green industry. I actually got to be pretty good at it because when you call people in the middle of the wintertime, they ask you, lawn chairs? What do you want? What do you want to sell me lawn chairs for? It's the middle of winter. <laughs> no, no, it's lawn care. Lawn care. We're gonna we're gonna sell you some lawn care for your nice spring green up. So anyway, that was my introduction to tree and shrub care. Um, I actually spearheaded the tree and shrub division for Barefoot Grass Lawn Service in Knoxville. Worked under a guy named Dr. Larry Waddell, who was a uh, pretty famous guy from Scotts, and um, we had a very successful launch of the tree and shrub division. And um, the couple of years into it, he asked me if I wanted to take on any more uh, services for the division. And um, he asked me if I would like to do some pruning. And uh, he handed me this form. And at the bottom of the form, this is 1996, at the bottom of the form, it had this little indicia for the International Society of Arboriculture. And I said, Larry, what's that? He says, oh, that's what you get if you get to be a certified arborist. You should do that. <laughs> so uh, so I said, okay. And this was uh, about a month later. I got the information from the International Society of Arboriculture, and they were administering the exam in Lexington, Kentucky. I'll never forget it because uh, – uh, Dave Leonard was uh, administering the exam and he was doing a workshop the day before. And so I signed up for the workshop and the, the exam. And uh, this was in Lexington. So I had to drive real early in the morning. I left at 6 a.m. and got up there about 8.30. And Dave got, gets up in front of the class. He says, okay, if everybody would uh, get out there, ISA certification manual and turn to page four. And I'm looking around, everybody's turning to the manual, page four. And, you know, some people have binders and some people have this golden book. And, and I raised my hand and said, uh, there's a manual. Yeah. 
Yeah. Said, I'll never forget this. Dave said, Dave said uh, well, uh, I want to talk to you. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to have to reschedule your exam. So we we talked and he said, uh, now, look, I got an extra one here. You can you can use mine, but uh, we probably want to reschedule the exam. You can take it if you want to because you're signed up for it. But uh, so I took that manual home that night. And I uh, I read it from cover to cover. I answered all the questions at the end of each chapter. And I took the exam the next day. And here I am today. I'm a certified arborist. Look at you. That's, 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 that's a good story. <laughs> Dave, Dave Leonard's a friend. Actually, probably more of a friend with Joe Wake and just in, in how much they've collaborated and worked together. Over the, he, I think he's actually been an, on our episode, hasn't he, Joe? We had Dave on. Yeah, we did. Because yeah. he, he lives in the hills, too, and he had a hard time with his internet. I think he had to climb up, climb up a tree and wiggle the wire or something. But <laughs> Dave is on. We talked about uh, more or less soil remediation with Dave and right on. fun stuff. So what So what do you do now, Marty? Obviously, you know, certified arborist, uh, you know, kind of just falls on that on that, on that that list in, in your resume. But what is your day-to-day now, or what, what has it been? So uh, I have a pretty broad um, scope of, of assignments that I take on, but 90% of the work that I do now is either personal injury cases or tree appraisal for trespass damages, whether it's pesticide trespass or neighbor cutting down neighbor's tree, developer encroaching. And so most of what I do is, is litigation work. I'm, I'm probably doing... Um, more litigation work than just just about anybody else. Uh, is this nationwide? Yeah, nationwide. That's got to kind of keep you busy. Um, it, it does. Um, you know, the, the assignment, every assignment is going to be a little bit different. And all the facts and fact patterns are different for every case. But um, uh, I do travel quite a bit. Last year, I think, went to 15 different cities so, and different states. Wow. Yeah. Uh, getting into, you know, one thing you talked about earlier is, uh, you know, what, what, before we get into praising a tree, because there's so much, there's so much information out there that could steer somebody wrong on trying to try to, to develop what the, the value of a tree is on their front yard from an Omni calculator that the homeowner can go on there and put three or four figures in there and get an idea what the tree is worth. But it's a lot more difficult than that. But well, it's I, nuanced. I would say it's nuanced. There's a lot of yeah. nuance involved in tree appraisal. It, it, there is, but you you mentioned earlier about um, why do people like trees so much, and I want to kind of to touch on that a little bit because I think that's an important thing. Because when we start talking about tree valuation, some people love the trees more than others, and how do you put a monetary value on how much you love your tree? Could be. It's a pretty sticky thing. Just because you love it more than the neighbor, does that make that tree more valuable or not? But well, um, I had that I had that same question, um, and really wanted to know um, the nuts and bolts about appraisal. Period. And so, uh, back in 2014, I actually went to real estate appraisal school because I wanted to understand what it is that real estate appraisers do. How do they come up with a predictable measure of value for a piece of property. And since trees are property, it was a natural assumption that when 
You go to real estate appraisal school, they'll teach you all about how to appraise different kinds of property, whether it's commercial or whether it's um, um, uh, residential. And surely they know how to appraise trees. And uh, it was very eye-opening to me because uh, I learned an awful lot about how real estate appraisers go about doing what they do. Um, State appraisal is almost exclusively going to be two types of appraisal. You're going to have income appraisal or you're going to have uh, comparative sales analysis. And so when you're talking about income approach to value uh, or uh, cost approach to value or uh, market approach to value, these are just three different approaches that we can use to appraise the value of anything. And one thing that arborists are very confused about is the uh, concept of the, the train station. When a train leaves the station, it can only go down one track. <laughs> and if the train tries to leave that track and go on to another track, what do you have? Uh, an accident <laughs> a train wreck <laughs> yeah 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 that's exactly what we had and so in the middle of this um arboricultural concept of appraisal we have this train wreck that's been in existence for probably 25 years and so it, when you explain it in this way uh you really do get a much clearer understanding of how to arrive at a credible opinion of value and, and that's very important because let's say we're going to use cost approach. Well, if we leave the train station, we go down the cost track. That means that we have to use cost data to inform our value. And so oftentimes I hear people talking about, well, trees and landscaping can make up about 15 or 20 percent of the landscape's value uh, of the real estate. Well, that's real easy to say. But, buddy, I will tell you what, you cannot prove it. There is no evidence out there to support that. None. And the people that will tell you that you can do hedonic regression analysis and you can parse out the trees from the rest of the land, they're just telling a story because they, they really can't prove that. A credible analysis requires data. And the interesting thing about hedonic regression analysis is that it doesn't rely on data. It relies on the absence of data. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so you have this train wreck right in the middle. In fact, you can see it. If you get a copy of the 10th uh, edition of the CTLA guide, there's a whole page in there and it lists all, all these different studies that show the analysis of, but if you were actually doing an appraisal on a piece of property specific to a geographic area, and specific market conditions, all that stuff goes out the window because it doesn't um, it doesn't affect value. Uh, if you look at the MLS, the multiple listing service, there's going to be 300 different points of data about any particular real estate, and so you're going to have all this information about the property, the square footage of the house, the square footage of the lot, whether the garage is attached, and and all these other points of data. But you're not going to find one piece of data about the size, the species, the condition and location of trees on that piece of property 
And if you don't have that data, you can't do a you can't do a market analysis. You have to use cost. So what we do as appraisers for trees is we approach the same way that you would approach uh, doing a spec home. If you're going to finance a spec home, then we're going to build it from scratch. And then we're going to figure out what the market would be willing to pay for all these different features of that home. In the, in the tree analysis, since we don't have market data to inform value, we're going to build one. And that's exactly what we do with the with the appraised value of amenity trees specifically. Okay. It seems it's, you know, obviously you've been doing it for a long time and you probably, you got a good grasp on it. Um, let's go back to, to the, the theory that, you know, why do people love trees so much? Okay. And, yeah. and I yeah. think that's the, that's what builds the network of your clientele is that people care enough about their trees that if something happens, they need to give you a call. Um, well, I would say that we all have a connection to nature. Um, it's a um, it's a spiritual thing almost. It uh, goes beyond just the conscious understanding of why I like the tree. In fact, most people that I talk to, the vast majority of them, 90, 95% of them, if they tell me they like a tree, I, I can ask them a simple question and it really brings this to light. And uh, if I say, well, what do you like about it? Hmm. Um, well, they have a very difficult time articulating that question, the answer to that question. And I often find myself having to guide people through the process of figuring out, okay, what is it that they really enjoy about the tree? Because that's the only part of the tree that's really worth anything. It's the anticipated enjoyment of those future benefits that give a tree value. And so if we start talking about the shade that they provide and the cooling effect they have on a particular room in their house or the shade they provide to the picnic table, or if I talk about the fall color or the seasonality of the tree and um, the different effects that it has during the different parts of the day or the different seasons of the year, then all these things will start to come out and they'll say, yes, well, I really do like that. And But you do, you do have to probe and you do have to dig that out. Um, because they won't be able to articulate it themselves. Yeah, I picked up this. You know, I picked up this book recently. It's called "The Nature's Fix: Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative." So I just started uh, digging into it. So okay. I think psychologically, I think a lot of us are told that trees are so good for us that maybe it's like that, like a water torture where they drip that on your head for so many times that people are just saying, "Oh, trees are good. Trees are good. Trees are good." And you're right, without even knowing why they like it, why they are good. Well, let me turn your question back on you for a second. Yeah. If trees are so important to so many people, why is it that when we consider real estate, they're not even a factor of the real estate data? That's a brilliant question. See, I think we that's part of the problem is that we have this gap in our social consciousness about the value and importance of trees. And it's a pervasive problem. Um, you know, the real estate folks don't acknowledge trees. In fact, to a real estate appraiser, trees are just dirt. Um, typically a forester is looking at trees in, in the uh, realm of timber value, which is again, dirt value. 
but when you're talking about you know the cost of transplanting a 40 inch diameter oak tree well then the costs get astronomical and they say well that's just not reasonable well why isn't it reasonable i want to know why that's not reasonable because because it's done it costs a fortune uh obviously some people think it's reasonable yeah why is it unreasonable this is a this is a very a very uh, interesting discussion because it's even after myself being in the business for 40 years i don't think i've ever sat back and asked myself why i like trees i'm gonna have to sit back and do some philosophizing well there's just there's there's too much to standardize it from my from from my humble you know not a consulting arborist perspective is there's too many variables you know, you're, it's really site specific. Uh, it's really specific to that homeowner. It's specific right. personal to, enjoyment. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that case. I mean, it, that's a great question. I mean, phenomenal. Yeah, I'm kind of speechless now. I think I think I think people just um, really have this gap in their social consciousness about the value and importance of trees and. Mm-hmm. I can ask a simple question like that that nobody ever thinks about. And then all of a sudden we're going, scratching our heads going, well, yeah, why is that? Now, you know, we had, um, you know, Corey and I, we're, we do believe in credentialing ISA, TCIA. And like I said, after all the years that I've been doing it, honestly, no one's ever asked that question before. And you're right. I don't think we ask it enough. And if you ask it enough, you get enough, you can get enough data back. And maybe you can create well procedure. I will tell you that I make a real fine living answering that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I love it. I love it. I just um you know it's until you really understand it, you just don't know to ask the question. Mm. You know, yeah, nobody asks it until something bad happens. You know, developer, he's not thinking about the neighbor's trees. He's thinking about how much um, time it's going to take him to build this house, how many expenses are, he's going to have to incur to um, make a profit. And by the time, you know, it's all said and done, he's cut his neighbor's trees down. And and then the big question is, oh, well, it's just a tree, right? What's the big deal? Yeah, but that was my tree. Well, and the neighbor's like, yeah, that was my tree. And I got this, you know, really good arborist over here who's going to tell you how much it's worth. Yeah. My- <laughs> and that's 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 a funny concept because, you know, there's kind of a running, I don't know if it's a joke or just kind of a running school of thought right now is if you ask three arborists on what a tree's worth, you're going to get five mm-hmm. different answers on what that tree's worth. And that's okay. Um what you're really trying to ferret out in the question of value is not whether somebody's right or whether somebody else is wrong. And, and we really need to get beyond that in our culture because that's just not the reality. The reality is there are two types of value. There are credible opinions of value and there are incredible opinions of value. And I'm often told you know, on the face, it looks incredible. <laughs> forty thousand dollars for that tree? What do you mean at forty thousand dollars? Well, and when I explain it, then it doesn't seem quite so incredible. In fact, it's 
very credible. And so uh, what you're looking for is how do you develop credible opinions of value? Awesome. Now, um, as your author side, um, is is what we're talking about is is this in a book that you've you, that you've written on your appraisal practice? I did. Um, I found it very difficult to try to explain some of this stuff to attorneys because they don't get it, and uh, oftentimes real estate people they're in this box of market value and they can't think outside that box. And so uh, I really wrote this book for lawyers and real estate appraisers so that they could have a better understanding of how it is that we do what we do versus what it is that they do. And um, the name of the book is the Professional Amenity Plant Appraisal Handbook. And I chose that name because so oftentimes, uh, and I've been, I've done this so many years and I've seen lots and lots of different types of appraisals. And I've seen arborists who are competent guys get up on the witness stand and they just say, well, that's what looked right to me. And they get their thumb and they just, you know, do this. And it's, it's unfortunate that we as a, as a profession haven't developed professional procedures and practices and a good understanding of why it is that we do what we do. The ninth edition of the guide was very good at telling you how to do plant appraisals, but it didn't, it was very weak. And so is the 10th on why it is that we do what we do. And I think to have a good understanding and a credible opinion of value, you really have to understand the why. I think you're right. But, and, and so about 85% of the book is about the benefits of trees. That's because the only thing that has any value are the benefits that trees produce. The tree without benefits has no, no value. And so it's really uh, trying to understand how to quantify and qualify the amenity benefits that trees produce. And there is a bunch of them. Okay. Well, that, this, is, this is great. This is actually to, to go down this path and to ask ourselves the questions that you pose today is it's a, it, I think it's a pretty insightful um, tool. I think it's pretty insightful, not only for, for us fellow tree people who are in the field looking at things, but there is a value to every tree that we're touching. Now, Marty, we're, we are going to wrap up this episode um, here in the coming minutes. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, is there anything, any message or note that you would like to get out there to somebody um, who's in the field of forestry or, or thinking about getting into the field of forestry? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm really glad that you asked because I do have something I'd like to share with them. If we're going to do anything to help alleviate this gap in our social consciousness about the value and importance of trees, and it's a huge problem, it's pervasive at every level of society. If we're going to do something about that, then we have to do a better job of not only educating our clients and educating others about what we know about trees, but we also have to educate ourselves in the process of appraisal. Because without this foundational um, work that we have to do in order to establish a credible value, 
then the whole thing kind of just is flimsy and it doesn't have um, much support. But I think if you really uh, dig into the subject of why trees have value and how they have value and when they have value, I think uh, you'll have a much better understanding exactly what it is that is lost when trees are damaged um, and, and when they need to be replaced. Uh, and that holds true for not only for amenity trees that are in your yard, but that also applies to amenity trees that might be wildlife habitat or conservation trees. That's awesome. Yeah, most definitely. You know, I think, uh, Marty, again, thank you so much for spending time with us. You kind of left me a little miffed here. Now I'm going to have to sit down, like I said, <laughs> do a little philosophying, a little bit rethinking. It you took know, me a long time to figure this stuff out. It, it was a journey that took me 15 years. So yeah. good luck on that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. I know it probably we've been in the business a lot longer, but writing the book and understanding a little bit more systematic approach to why, what, and when. Well, thank you so much for your interest and for your listeners' interest. And I do really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Oh, God, no problem. I'm going to be ordering your book before the day's up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've already got a signed copy. My, my publisher will be happy. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll have to see you. Then you're right. Like, next time I'm down in Franklin, you're going to have to sign it. Absolutely. No doubt. Awesome. Thank you, Marty. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Hey, great topic today. Yes, yeah, so lots of good information. Yeah, probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.